Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marit Larwood. Hello, Marit. How are you today? I am enjoying the coffee that you've made for me. Oh, well, you're welcome. You're welcome any time. And all right, isn't it? Danielle made us a cake as well. Yeah, she did. She did. She made us a cake and then she fucked off. Mm. This is the bloody life, <laughs> it's isn't it? The life. Coffee and cake. Coffee and cake. Um, a dog and some films. Uh, it doesn't get much better. Um, yes, hello, listeners. It won't. It won't ever get better. Um, we're going to talk about films again for some time. I should about half so. an hour. Uh, so um, we have, as preparation for this task, watched some films, haven't we, Marek? Um, you've you've been to the cinema. I have not. I have been to my own personal cinema, which is a, a television not far from here. Um, is that what you call it? Your personal my cinema. My own personal cinema. Do you say to people, oh, I'm just going watching my personal cinema tonight? That's right, yeah. And they go, oh, God, he's fancy. How big yes. does a screen need to be before you can say it's a cinema, a personal cinema? <laughs> well, this this clearly isn't a personal cinema. I mean, this you probably couldn't buy a television this small now. It's a 32. No, is it 27? No, it's bigger than that. Okay, 32 then, maybe. But it's not huge. Not cinema, not personal. I wouldn't go around talking about saying my, it's my personal cinema. Well, I, thought I, don't, you, I don't go around saying it. I wouldn't you know, go around shouting from the rooftops about my personal cinema or my TV I'm was only that big. going home to watch my personal cinema. Um, <laughs> I'll have a bag of Quavers, please, mate. Yeah, um, no, uh, I've watched some streaming services is what I was getting at me. Okay. But you've been to the cinema. Yes. And it's not like me to moan. <laughs> but um, I was annoyed. Talking, we always talk about things we get annoyed by in the mm. cinema. It's mostly light and people. Light, guess which one it was? Was it people? Yeah, it was people. Yeah. I was annoyed by a coat. A coat? Yes. I mean, you're really pushing the boat out on what you can be annoyed by. I was sitting there thinking, I'm annoyed by this, and I'm. I was thinking about talking. I watched the film yesterday, and I thought I'm going to talk about being annoyed by this. However, I'm justified in being annoyed by this. Okay, what was the coat doing and where well, was it? Well, it was on someone. Oh, right. So it was. It, I went to go and see the film. Oh, they kept the coat on? They kept the coat on. Anomalisa, which is the Charlie Kaufman animation, was nominated for a Best uh, um, Animation Oscar. Um, so, 
it's a very quiet there's almost no music in the film hardly any so it's a very very quiet film and the cinema as usual was a quite big cinema and I was sitting on the back and there's someone in the road to me just about four or five seats to the mm-hmm. right and they were in one of these coats which were was a bit uh, a raincoat like this yeah and all the way through I'm going to replicate it now yeah Oh, why couldn't they sit they just still? Wouldn't, they weren't sitting still, and their coat was just doing this all the way through. That's infuriating. It's, and I thought, am I right to be infuriated? And I thought, I can't really yeah. say I mean, it's sit noise, still. isn't it? It was just this weird... And I think you can't be comfortable wearing that that coat indoors. What do you think it was? Do you think they had worms? It was just... Uh, was it uh, worms? Could they, did they look like someone who would have worms? Was did sc- they look like someone who would pick their bomb and then eat their food with their hands? Yes, it definitely yeah. looked like that. Yeah, it's probably worms, mate. It, it was like those people who don't wash their hands after they've been to the toilet. Yeah, that's worms. That's where you get worms. Little white ones. I never understand that. People don't wash their hands. No. When you've just been... Anyway. When uh, you've just, Yeah, it, it happens a lot with in uh, with urinals, doesn't it? I don't understand why you would, why you would not do that. But so I got annoyed by that. So that's, I wonder. Maybe it's if maybe it's if touching your dick makes your hands uh, slightly cleaner than they were before. So you go, well, you know, I'm I'm ahead. Yeah, it, it's the kind of person, is what I'm saying. It was a man with an annoying coat, and he just looked like someone. He looked like someone who spends a lot of time watching internet pornography. Okay. Yes. So he looked a lot like me. <laughs> so he was uncomfortable. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he didn't. He just looked like, just looked like an IT loser. Anyway, that's not the point. So I went to see the film. That was the annoying thing. I, and I, I worry where I was justified being annoyed. This film, what is it about? I'm going to tell you. It's about a man called Michael Stone. It's, entire, it's almost it's animation, sort of puppetry animation. And they've got these... Um, and he plays... It's, um, David Thewlis voices him. Okay. And he's a, a, a sort of a, he's going to a speech at a conference, and he's staying at one of these inane hotels. I've seen um, I've seen uh, screenshots, not uh, not a trailer of this, but it looks quite like the puppets uh, used in Being John Malkovich, which is another yes, yeah, quite one. similar. The to ones that, yeah. that uh, John Cusack does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite. They're very well. They're very human, and they're very human in their movements. Um, uh, it's a film about the mundanity, and even having David Thewlis doing the voice of his really sort of oppressed, world-weary yeah, voice, yeah. and he feels like this really depressed character. All the other characters have the same voice and the same faces, apart from one. And it's almost about going a man. My reading of it of a man going through a, a midlife crisis where everything's the same, nothing's new, and he goes to this hotel to this beach. Everything's bland and boring. Uh, not much happens in it. It's almost like, it feels like a bit of like a Jane Austen right, novel, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, where it's, everything's really, really dull he can't find any enjoyment in his life and that sense of the dreary really comes across and yeah. it's really well done 
and it's one of those films you end up thinking about more. You really feel you feel quite oppressed. Yeah, yeah. And even though there's puppets uh, playing all the roles or whatever they call uh, uh, the animated things, it feels more real than a lot of films in terms of acting. It's really realistic. Just the conversations of just an English guy working in America. He's gone to he's gone to Cincinnati to do this conference. Yeah. Uh, the tax driver everyone can't really understand what he's saying even though he's speaking normal English voice and they ask him if he's Australian, Australian. no they yeah, yeah. even when he says yes they don't understand what he's saying uh, he's really tired of everything uh, he's tries to meet with an ex-girlfriend and then eventually he meets up with this one uh, a woman in the hotel who's got a different face from all the others and I won't say any more spoilers apart from that it's a, a one night relationship in a hotel and, and it's 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 really accurate about the the, the minutia mm. and the small things and the conversations aren't it, aren't really ever put into scripts because they're so boring and inane but his view of them is really funny in a sort of odd way I don't think it's his a genius adaptation is the one with Nicolas Cage plays with his brother which is yeah, yeah. a work of, of a genius for me, it's not up there script-wise. But I think, what is he trying to do with this film? He's trying to uh, express the sort of lack of joy in modern life. And I think this man who's seeing everything is the same, so the, all the magic's gone. And that's his experience, so it has to be that sort of way. I, I, is it really an enjoyable experience? It's, it's more of a sort of, His films are, are big films that make you think. Um, some things I don't really fully understand what he was trying to do. Okay. What he was trying to make me think. So I'm still I'm still mulling them over. But I'm fascinated to hear what um, what the other uh, film fan anger listeners thought of it. I mean, all the vo- all the other characters apart from have the same faces and the same voice. So all the female characters. Also, oh, has a cast of three. Does yeah. It want- but all the other characters have the same face and the same bloke doing the voice okay. of all the women parts right, and all the male right, parts. Right. So you sort of get, what takes a while getting used to that. Like watching Italian or Russian dubbed te- television. Yeah, but it's all done on, on, on purpose. Uh, it's uh, just sort of a comment piece on modern life, really, I suppose. Right. And the feelings of a man going through a midlife crisis. And the puppetry is, is fantastic. It's odd how their sort of faces look like they're about to come off, but that's done on purpose. Right. They have this sort of line between their eyes, there's a gap okay. in their faces where you think, "What's that for?" It sort of doesn't, it's not really ever addressed. Yeah, yeah. But it's obviously a, a stylistic thing. To, it has a sort of meaning to it. Or I, don't, I can't talk too much yeah, about yeah. it. But uh, the puppetry is fantastic, and the movement, the way they move at points. I, I don't know what the techniques they use. Whether they actually did, uh, it was computerized, or it was done stop motion. I've not looked into that, but uh, I did. I give it six or seven Marricks. Uh, slightly unsettling, interesting piece. Wow, there you go. Anna Melissa. Uh, I mean, Andy Kaufman's very. Uh, Charlie. Charlie, sorry. Mental. Um, Andy Kaufman's the comedian, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Charlie Kaufman is always interesting. Yeah. Right? I've. I've I'm not sure if I've seen all of his films. Adaptation's brilliant, and being John Malkovich is excellent as well. But uh, and, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes, of course. Is that him? Yeah. He yeah. he wrote that. Yes. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm going film. through some more Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. 
It's all right. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going. Sorry, I'm just looking on my IMDb. This is fascinating for everyone. <laughs> Why oh, not and he wrote. Um, I can never pronounce this. Synodoc, New York. Synecdoche. Synecdoche, New York. I started watching it and I liked it and I gradually got lost and I didn't understand okay. what was going on I've and I hated it, it and I gave up on it. Synecdoche. It was just so meta and so pop eats itself. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go, Annalisa. Sounds interesting at the very least. Um, I think it's time for this. You're good at reading, aren't you? I'm okay, yeah. Um, what about... <laughs> yeah? Matthew Beaton's letter. Matthew Beaton? Okay, Matthew Beaton has written in, and he says he's from Essex, so please read my letter out in an Essex accent, a bit like Schlag, Ray Winston. So, right, Dirty Beast, I'm here to kill your monster. Sexy Beast? Dirty Beast. He's <laughs> Dirty Beast. Ray Winston. He played Sexy Beast. Um, okay, quite right. Sexy Beast. Uh, Dear David and Merrick, I was curious to know that your thoughts are in regards to watching films in the luxury of your own home, coupled with easy access to a mobile phone. In the past, I've found, found myself putting on a film and immediately picking up the mobile and looking at the usual garbage that one tends to read on these devices, only to get halfway through the film and not have taken in any of the film and completely wasted my time. I have a new rule where I leave my devices in another room so I cannot use them during my viewing time so I can give the film my full attention. Do you find the phones a distraction, or are you a lot cleverer, smiley face, than me? And this is not an issue for your good selves. Keep watching the films, and not your mobile phone screen, unless you're watching a film on your mobile, and go crazy. Many thanks, Matt Harlow in brackets, sent from mail for Windows 10. He's got Windows 10. Fucking show off. Um, okay, um, uh, it's... It's a very new thing, isn't it? Well, is isn't. It's probably ten years old, but people didn't used to play Snake on their phone whilst the film comes on. But I do find myself habituated to my smartphone. And even against my better judgment, I will just, as soon as something, you know, I start to dip. And it's like an addict. It is like a, an itch. You know, you just pick it up and find yourself putting Facebook on, even though you're not interested and you are actually interested in the film. It is the worst. I'm and I di- agree with Matthew. I think you need to put your phone in a drawer like you do. Because we are just slowly just... Films will not... Films will get worse if what they are as a product is something to be on in the background. Do you know what I mean? I'm totally addicted to the internet. It's frightening. Yeah. I think when you're sitting at home and my job's the same as yours, acting and writing... And you just find distractions. Yeah. And it's also just knowing it's it, it's so easy and knowledge is, is fascinating. Yeah. Getting caught on an internet loop. You have your thing, you look at your websites, you know, what do I look at? BBC, uh, Facebook, Hotmail, Twitter, yeah. a comedy website, American football one, basketball. Yeah. And I get stuck on some weird Wikipedia loop where you've spent half an hour and you don't even know how you got to this weird sure. weird thing. He was looking at bums. Looking at bums. Um, what are they, though? 
we spent, I spent far too, I waste so much of my life on the internet and the temptation is there in films. Where have I seen him from? What's he been yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly you've got your phone in your hand. That's why I try and dump my phone in a different room and that's why I, that's, going to the cinema, you can't do that. But I don't get that urge in the cinema. There's something about the ritual of going to outside of your own home, sitting in a darkened room, there's other people there, the lights come down, it's exciting, that does hold your attention. Whereas if you're on your own sofa watching your own TV, you do just... You, you find yourself half watching what's going on and going, yeah, I'm following it. It's the worst, yeah. It is It is a shame. I'm telling you, it's, I'm terrified by my addiction. Yeah, yeah, I genuinely get... An itch every now and again, if you know, especially if you know you're in slightly anxiety producing situations, you know, like uh, being surrounded by a load of strangers, you know, on public transport mm. or whatever. You, you just find yourself going, even somewhere like the tube where you don't have any signal to look these things up, you still get it out and and still, you know, you, it's it becomes a dummy, doesn't it? Well, for, uh, a lot of my work and things comes through Hotmail and even yeah. Facebook things, yeah, yeah. So you think you have to, if it goes off, I think, actually, I've got to check that because there might be an audition or yeah. something asking if I'm available. So I've got no choice but to look at it. Yeah, but it's not like it won't still be there an hour later, is it? Like uh, some, I've, I've actually lost stuff. But, uh, really? Yeah, but not... It's terrifying. Anyway, that's, that's boring. Yeah. Um, no, but it's a good point, And I think Matthew's got the right idea. Stick your phone in a drawer. Put it in the drawer and or, uh, or put it in... The bin. <laughs> <laughs> That's an expensive habit. You have to be a, a, a billionaire like Marek to get away with the yes. smartphone bin. Uh, yes, a billionaire policy. indeed. Ben, uh, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Who's Ben? Ben Grubb has written in. Uh, would you like to read Ben Grubb's email? Eh? Yes. Uh, he, uh, please read his outside of a Marv voice of NBA Albert. I can't, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do the voice because a lot of the time when I hear myself do it... I, I listen back to these occasionally. I, 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 it really annoys me. Um, dear David, American buddy, on a recent episode, you were again discussing sports documentaries, and this reminded me that I wanted to get in touch with you to recommend the ESPN Thirty for Thirty series. I love a good sports doc, particularly related to basketball and all the NBA. The Thirty for Thirty series covers a broad range of different stories, many of which focus on some lesser-known players, uh, people, or stories involved in sports. I've been working my way through the ones available on US Netflix and some highlights are as follows. Winning time, Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks, focusing mainly on Reggie Miller and the rivalry between the Indiana Pacers and New York Knicks during the mid-90s, as well as Miller's personal rivalry with long Knicks, lifelong Knicks fan, Knicks fan Spike Lee. Do you know who Reggie Miller is? No. Great player for the Pacers and there was a lot of Lots of fights and stuff with the Pets and the Knicks, I remember. But you have to be into American sports. Uh, without bias, chronicling the leading events to the death of Len Bias, shortly before being drafted by the Boston Celtics. And there's a few lists. Uh, Jordan rides the bus. A more in-depth look at often glowing, glossed over a period of Michael Jordan's first retirement when he played professional baseball. I love American sports. I used to watch all the um, Michael Jordan videos. Was it Come Fly With Me? And Michael Jordan's Playground... Space Jam? No, the actual basketball videos, it was highlights. <laughs> okay. He, that's because that was when I was a teenager growing up. Oh, I, the, he, the he, he transcended, athletes. he transcended American sport to just be someone that sort of had 
this mystique about him for kids. Like, I had a Chicago Bulls t-shirt because of Michael Jordan, had never seen a game of basketball, you know. He was just sort of awesome, and you saw him in adverts doing incredible basketball shit, you know, and just go, that guy's great. I wanted to be a professional basketball player until I broke my ankle and I tore my ligaments when I was 17, playing against Parkhurst Prison Officers team. Really? When he, I went up for a round back layup, some bloke grabbed me and threw me to the ground, ending my basketball career. You could have been the next Dennis Rodman. No, he's too big. I'd be more like uh, Spud Webb. Okay. Um, there's loads more for me to watch, but those have been my favourites. It's not often been the ones I've known nothing about which I've enjoyed the most. There's plenty about American football, baseball, and various other things which I fully intend on watching when I've exhausted all the sports, uh, all the basketball ones. I know Marek is a fan of American sports and sports documentaries, so if you haven't seen any of these, seen any of these yet, he'll really enjoy them. Keep watching the films. P.S. I also want to volunteer my services now to shoot the official football documentary when the time comes. Well, Ben, thanks very much. I definitely will look at the 30 for 30 series. It sounds really great. Thank you. Um, and I'm already making a really bad football documentary. Are you? <laughs> I've been making it. If, if, oh yeah, you've been shooting it at every game we play. Yeah, I've been shooting the games. But there's a three. There's a. If you go to the Volksball YouTube channel, there's the first three parts of the story of Volksball you can watch, uh, which shows uh, me making it in my back garden. I mean, it's a lot worse than any sports documentary <laughs> you'll watch, but it's there. But it's better for, than Draft Day. So uh... it's better than Draft Day, the Kevin Costner film, one of the worst <laughs> films of all time. Um, super. Should we? Um, read another yeah let's read one more let's read one more we've got an email um, if my phone will recognise my thumbprint um, from Rob Marland and Rob says uh, does he Rob wa- Marland is a football player for the West World Snake Hips oh, oh, that Rob Marland yeah. um, he says in your best hand solo voice please uh, That that is incredibly difficult impression isn't it give us a blast of your best hand solo I can't do it, and I've got the range. What's your best hand solo? All right, mate. <laughs> That's quite good. All right, mate. Oh, we got stuck in some tar for a long while. <laughs> Where was he stuck in tar? What was that black stuff he was stuck in? Carbonite. Oh, we got stuck in some bloody carbonite for ages. That's good, I like that. Right. I'm sure you're as excited as I am to hear about the forthcoming Indiana Jones 5. In the original trilogy, Indy faced off against history's biggest assholes, the Nazis. But Crystal Skull was set in 1957, and so the Nazis were replaced with boring Russian commies and glass aliens. It was proper shit. The new movie is scheduled for release in 2019, so if you do your sums, and I have, it will probably be set in 1968 the year of the U.S.'s heaviest involvement in the Vietnam War. So, here is my challenge to you. Please pitch a thrilling Vietnam-based plot for Indiana Jones and the Tet Offensive. Thanks, Rob Marland. P.S. Jonathan Ki Quan, who played Short Round in Temple of Doom, was born in Vietnam, and according to Wikipedia, is a Taekwondo expert and stunt coordinator. If you don't shoehorn him in there somewhere, you need your heads examined. So, yes, this is the recent news that Indiana Jones 5 is definitely on and definitely with Harrison Ford. Um, And it's a good point. He's going to be so old. He is now going to be Indiana Jones around Vietnam time. Ah, It's a tricky one. I hated the last one. I sort of... It was terrible. Oh, just... just, The CGI, the whole thing was terrible. It just wasn't, you know... 
I think its worst crime was actually storytelling, which is what the team of Lucas and Spielberg used uh, used to do so well. Like Spielberg at his height was the best pop storyteller in cinema. Like every shot is doing something, and it rattles on at a pace, and it's got such a it's got such a sense of fun to it. And Lucas's stories used to be exactly the same. You know it enough people were able to mix in and take the edges off it but but he you know he had a great sense of something that was really fun so for me kingdom of the crystal skull felt like a sort of uh, photocopy of a memory of indiana jones and the next one won't be any better but he wants us to pitch what the story could be i mean it's got to have a supernatural element for it to be indiana jones so i don't know how you involve him in the vietnam war without um Without using Vietnamese folklore, which I don't, I think getting him involved in a horrific conflict like that probably isn't great swashbuckling fun. He's going to be set in Vietnam. No, then. that's what that's what Rob was suggesting because of the year it will have to be set in because of the age be of Harrison them Ford. Digging the tunnels and finding some sort of thing in the tunnels. Okay, some some tunneling horror. Yeah, I would have him finding William Defoe from Platoon. <laughs> And saving him before you think he's dead. Well, it's a time travelling film. No, but he because it's set he at the finds same time. him in. So he finds the cast of another film from that era. He finds William Defoe is uh, uh, found alive from the end of Platoon. Sure. And he makes friends with him. And uh, Doctor Cox from Scrubs, who's also in Platoon, um, and maybe. Uh, Martin Sh- uh, Sheen no, from, because they uh, leave from William, Apocalypse Now. They w- leave William Defoe. Yeah, the he, famous get, he does the famous Jesus but, pose. Uh, 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 he saves him and they go and get some crisps. <laughs> Short Round, actually, I believe, was one of the stunt coordinators on the original Matrix film. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's He was also data in Goonies, of course. I know. I wonder how he feels about it if he wishes he'd have stayed on. What? Doing what? Acting. I don't know. I mean, kid actors for them to come out with you know a skill and a career and not insane, uh, yeah, and really maladjusted. You know, fair play to him. He's got a job. I wonder if he made millions or not. Uh, I doubt it. You probably don't for your first one, do you? It depends entirely on the contract, mate. Yes, of course. It's always the way. Always the way. Um, yes. I mean, it's uh, Indiana Jones. I sort of want all this circus around good intellectual properties that should be left well alone to end. I mean, they're, they're so trying to push them all out before Harrison Ford dies, aren't they? It's quite mm. clear, because he, he is attached to Star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones and Blade Runner, and they are pushing through all of them as quickly as possible before he croaks or retires, you know? I mean, you can see, you can understand how he could... Blade Runner, he could be old in Blade Runner and put it off. Be interesting to yeah. see an old Decker, but it doesn't need making, that's the thing. What other story is that the entire world of Blade Runner was built around this idea of what is human and more human than human and all of that you know so what would a sequel be about other than more of the same and it's not a Blade Runner wasn't you know I like the whole world of Blade Runner yeah but it wasn't aliens was it it wasn't it wasn't like a theme park ride it was a proper film and so it doesn't need a sequel you know it's not just popcorn Mm. filmmaking it would be weird for it to turn into that 
Indiana Jones is a ride. It's a family romp. You can all watch together in, uh, you know, on telly in an afternoon. Or yeah. your personal cinema. In my personal cinema there with my 20... Do you want to come it's... round my personal cinema and watch a family romp? A family romp. <laughs> Sounds like a trap, doesn't it? It does very much If so. a stranger in his van pulls <laughs> up and says, do you want to come to my personal cinema and watch a family romp? Just say no, kids. Yeah. Just say no. You can always tell when you get in if the central locking goes on. Yeah. Then you're in trouble. Yeah, that's true. Here's a question about Indiana Jones. It's very true. I can't deny it. Um, we had a sort of romantic notion about the period that Indiana Jones was originally set in. You know, in the Second World War, with the Nazis being these sort of fetishised bad guys, we we, lo- we are allowed to hate them because there was so little ambiguity in ha- their wrongness. They were evil guys, you know? Mm. The, the communists... Uh, doesn't work so well you know the Russians I mean it sort of does and America's kept hammering that uh, you know but they're just not as good of villains as the as the Nazis were and again the Cold War is a less romantic period because in the Cold War everything became sort of absolute horror of the bomb hanging over everybody and the ambiguity of right and wrong now you know it makes less good fairy tale stories Going to the Vietnam War, which is arguably when America should have realised that actually they can't just be the good guys in the, their own grand epics on a global scale. You know, they are murdering people by doing this. Stuff. You know, they shouldn't have gone. It was a total mess. That is not a time you set Indiana Jones in. You know yeah, what I mean? There's no fun. Is there's there, no yeah. fun to be had there. You know, it's and I think that's why again, Crystal Skull. Floundered. It was no longer in the time that is long enough ago in a romantic enough period that Indiana Jones can work. He and I don't want to see a dark, gritty reboot of Indiana Jones. You know, I don't want him struggling with morality and going mad in the Vietnam War because why are we out here, guys? Yeah. Which is what Vietnam is about. I agree with you. I don't. I cannot see because uh, because Rob's right. I mean, it will have to be set around the sixties. Where does he go? Uh, unless he just ignores uh, global politics at that time and ends up just tracking down the Incas or going to the Arctic and doing a pseudo the thing. You know, it's what's just, he I mean, going to do? It's all about the guns and the whip and stuff like that. You, you can't even imagine him walking around. What's a man a... in a fedora and a whip going to do in the 60s? Yeah. <laughs> Apart from getting to, you know, the San Francisco scene. Yeah. I mean, what's he going to do? I agree. Anyway, well, uh, yeah. thank you for writing in, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Um, it's funny, actually. You should have been. Um, you were talking about Annalisa and it being a sort of modern love story against a mundane uh, background because it's the film I'm going to talk about has similar themes. Sounds like a very, very different piece. But I watched, knowing nothing about it other than who'd made it, a film called Digging for Fire. Now, this is available on streaming services. I found it on Blinkbox. I'm sure it's available on others. Um, And this is a film written by and starring Jake Johnson, who we'll be seeing far more of because he's the comedy relief guy in uh, Jurassic World, who's in the control room, and one of the the good things about Jurassic World. He's actually well-known to people on television from New Girl, which he's brilliant in. Anyway, he wrote and starred in this... Um, along with the director who wrote it with him called Joe Swanberg. And, oh, Swanberg! Yeah. And it's about 
a couple in their in their thirties. They've got um, they've got a young kid, and they move in for a weekend to a friend, a client of hers is a big old holiday home. That's uh, nice. Yeah, it's nice, but but it's about you know, it's about love and what who they are to each other and their relationship when they have a kid and they're tired all the time and all of these uh, basically mundane suburban living is getting them down and that very it's a very um resonant thing in your 30s of you look back nostalgically your 20s and teens and you feel like you'll never get back there you know and so the setup of this is they go to this house and he um doing a little bit of gardening as a favor for the person finds in uh there's a hill in the backyard and a tennis court and a swimming pool and it's the kind of lifestyle they never have at home it, it really is a holiday weekend he finds what looks like a human bone and a rusted gun Uh-oh. and the teenager in him the sort of the man in him the the craving adventure guy in him wants to spend the weekend digging up this hill to see if there's a dead body in there because that's a mystery it's exciting and she's like this is a client of mine can't you just leave it alone we, you've got to do the taxes you know you said you'd do the taxes and you can see them just they're not finding each other in terms mm-hmm. of you know the couple they used to be anyway that's the setup and she then goes off to see her parents and he invites his mates round which includes Sam Rockwell and uh, Brie Larson and Anna Kendrick um, oh. No, Marek, I've watched um, Pitch Perfect 2, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and Anna Kendrick, I now get it. If you watch the Pitch Perfect I've film, seen them. She's great in them. Not a fan. Oh, I like her now. I do like her now. But anyway. Um, so, and uh, Orlando Bloom's in this, but he's actually uh, alright in it. Um and it's about it's about them having that frustration and wanting to be their old selves again and refinding each other or not. I won't tell you what happens, but also and it's called digging for fire because it's basically digging for trouble. Um, it's really Good cast. great cast, great cast, and it's really well done. It's it's great. It's great. Why have I not heard this before? I don't know. It's it's had no publicity in this country because I assume. Because New Girl doesn't have the audience figures in this country because it's on an obscure channel somewhere on cable or whatever. Um, and, you know, whereas Jake Johnson's quite a big deal in the States. But this is a, it's a small film. He's just clearly got a lot of, pulled in a lot of favours for the cast. You mm. know, Sam Elliott's in it as well. Um, Everyone's in it. It's a really good cast. Yeah, incredible cast. And it's a really, it's a really smart, well written, well directed film that will resonate with people in their 30s or people with kids. Anyone younger than that, I think they won't think anything is happening. Is it good? It is good. It's very good. Yeah. Is it what a drama, a comedy drama? And it's and but it was interesting what you were saying about um Animalisa as well that it's all very realistic. You totally believe, you know, everything that's happening, the way it's written and the way it's done, and they improvised around it. It's got such a natural, believable pattern to not only the speech, but everything everyone does. It's not like the dialogue has been placed on top of a rather overblown melodrama's bones. Like the whole thing, you just go, yeah, that's good. And it it works. It's really really good and had shades of um, eyes wide shut in terms of uh, exploring what fidelity means 
by, you know, if you take one step into it, but you haven't actually done anything, mm. are you being unfaithful, even if you're flirting with that line, you know, and it's all of that stuff. It's, um, it's well worth a watch. I, I was really surprised. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I was expecting some, you know, pretty off the peg rom-com romance, but it was, it was something better than that. And is Brie Larson good in it? She is very good. She is very good. She's excellent. I mean, she's just a very natural, likable actor. She, her, she's not the biggest part in this at all. It's um, it's Jake Johnson and his wife is Rosemary DeWitt, who I didn't know, actually. I didn't recognise her, but she's excellent as well. Um, she's in all sorts of things. But, um, yeah. No, I track it down. I mean, it's um, it's the Rose, title's named... Rosemary DeWitt. That yeah. sounds familiar, that name. Yeah, she's in a few things, but nothing I've seen. Well... Oh, oh, how many Davies should you give it? You know what? I'd give it. I'd give it eight. It's a very. It's a. It's a low budget indie. It's just people in a house. That's it. But it's it's smart and it's enjoyable. You know, I think it's it, it stays with you a bit as well. So yeah, digging for fire, named after a Pixies song. So mm. well, well, that's about it, isn't it? I think that's about it for this week. Um, we will be back next week with more chat about more films, different films. We won't just t- talk about these two week on week on week. Um, if you'd like to get in touch about anything, then do email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Also, you can talk to one another on Facebook forward slash filmfandango, or you can tweet us at Mr. David Reed, at Merritt Larwood, or at filmfandango. And finally, we do all of this for free, so if you would like to contribute towards our running costs and keep us going, then go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the links from there. And everyone who has, thank, thank you. you. We'll be back next week. Keep Keep watching the the films. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.